I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels, and we're here for another episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. On this episode, we have two of the hosts from Hometown Ghost Stories. They were kind enough to reach out to us and see if we'd be interested in doing a little collab. And they have some spooky stories to share. Dave, Rob, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having us. We're pretty excited to be here. Listen to your show in the past as well. And uh feels like the perfect collaboration. You talk about ghosts. We talk about ghosts. We can create one gigantic ghost. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah, well, that's awesome. I agree. I, I have watched y'all stuff, taking in your content primarily on YouTube. I think it's really fascinating and uh, kind of fresh the way you deliver your supernatural content, I guess we'll call it. And we will, of course, jump into that. But to kick things off, we like to find out where our guests fall on what we call the Believometer. Zero meaning ghosts aren't real. You don't believe in ghosts at all. And 10 ghosts are absolutely real. Rob, we'll start with you. Where do you fall on that scale? I mean, I'm a 10 because if I wasn't a 10, it would be hard for me to do the show for the reasons I started the show. It would just be very inauthentic so i have to be a 10 in order to to do what i do awesome and dave where do you fall on this skill i'm right in the middle i'm about a five i used to be a zero but the more haunted locations that i visit and the more research i do and the more people i've listened to the more open my mind becomes and the less sure i am that i just know everything <laughs> like all the skeptics you know yeah, it's it's an interesting thing where you go from just like casually hearing a ghost story here or there and then like starting to really invest in this medium and you start hearing ghost stories all the time and people who experience them are telling you their stories. It gets a little difficult to be like, okay, everybody's lying to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that I, I can totally relate to that. I think when we started 
this podcast, I was probably somewhere in that five uh, ballpark. And now I would have to say that more or less, I'm, I'm a believer in the supernatural. Rob, I'll let you start. I would love to know where this all began with you. What's your origin story with the supernatural? So my very first experience is technically not even my own experience, but started back when I was eight years old and my little brother at the time was two, doesn't know what a ghost is. He's lucky that he can even like walk and talk at that point in his life. And my grandparents' house uh, was a very, very spooky looking house. And in the middle of the day, one day I was downstairs with my mother he was upstairs supposed to be taking a nap and we hear him just start screaming and crying and we assumed he hurt himself. This kid got into everything and that's all we thought it was. So we rush upstairs to help him instead of hurting himself. He's actually sitting in the corner of the hallway. He's back against that corner and he's as white as a ghost and he's just pointing going the man, mummy, the man, the man, mummy, the man, the man, mummy, the man over and over again. And that scared the hell out of me. Come to find out years later when the internet comes into like, you know, the internet was around then, but you know how for us growing up, it kind of became more prominent every single year. When I had more access to that, I started researching the house and stuff with it because from there, my grandmother told me how she heard voices there. Other people had experienced things. I was creeped the hell out at this house found out that a man in 1949 who was a farmer, it was a farmer at that point in time, he used to have a cow that would get loose. And he went out to get this cow one night during a storm after it got loose again, and he never came back this night. And two days later, the Enterprise, which is the local paper here, by the way, it's in Bridgewater, Massachusetts. So I'm sure your listeners are familiar with the Bridgewater Triangle. The paper's there, the cow comes out of the woods. And the, the nephew's sitting there. He's getting interviewed by the reporter. He goes, oh, there's the cow. And then the dog comes out behind the, behind the cow. It's like, oh, the dog's there. My uncle must be right behind. Uncle was not right behind. They never found the uncle's body. To this day, I've never figured out what happened to him. So fast forward, they sell the house, and my grandparents end up eventually buying it. We hear from the owners before some of the spooky experiences that they had. Then all my family, and then when I was about, I don't know, 20, we'll say 26, 27, my grandfather gets a little bit ill. Him and my grandmother have to move out and move in with my aunt. And this house is so old that at the point in time that I took over and went and stayed there, it's a two-story house, but it was only heated by a wood stove. So that's why somebody had to be there, and I got nominated. It was terrifying. I hated being in this house. So once I moved in, um, some spooky, spooky stuff started happening. I took a picture of the fire. You know how you do stuff for Instagram where you just like take a picture of food or you take a picture of like whatever and you mm -hmm. post it because we're all self-absorbed and we have to let everyone know what we're doing at all times. Um, I take a picture of this fire and I've shared it before, but within the fire, I didn't even notice it till someone pointed out there was a picture there's a skull within the fire, like the shape wow. of a skull. It was terrifying. And from there, just things started happening. We started doing investigations. Jesse and Dave would come over and a bunch of creepy stuff happened. And uh, I'll just tell you my what happened to me that scared me the most. Jesse, our other host who couldn't be here tonight, he used to be a DJ. 
and I would go to gigs for like go hang out with him at gigs. And one night I went to go hang out with him, came home. I hadn't drank this night. I walked into the bathroom to get ready for bed, brush my teeth, all that stuff. And I hear a conversation happening. Doesn't matter because I leave my bedroom TV on 24 seven to this day. You come to my house, my bedroom TV's on. So that's what I think it is. I walk out of the bathroom. I walk towards the bedroom. I open the door. I look at the TV. I notice that it's not on. And as soon as I notice that, the voices stop. And I just stand there. And I'm like, what the hell? And as I'm standing there, like angry man's voice from the top of the stairs yells down three or four words. And I can't tell you what they were. Because it scared the hell out of me. I still like get goosebumps talking about this story every single time. And I didn't know what to do. It's like one in the morning. Like, what do you do? Do you go to a hotel at one in the morning? It's not like I'm in a city. I'm in Bridgewater. There are hotels around, but like, so I ended up just laying in bed with my eyes wide open for the next three hours, just terrified. I'm assuming you believe that that was the old man who disappeared that was on the farm. That That's what we assume. I, I cannot back up that that's who it is that haunts this house. And it's been multiple voices that we've heard in this house. So it could be more than one spirit that's haunting it. My assumption is it's him. He's the guy who built the house. He lived there for years and years and years. He disappeared under weird circumstances, whether it be some people think he just got lost in the woods. There's like quicksand back there. Some people think that he was on the road and got hit by a car and somebody dumped his body somewhere. I, I recently heard that story about six or seven years ago from a guy that knew him. Uh, well, knew of him from when he was a child in the town. So there's multiple things. And we did our first episode on this house and started making the rounds. It started blowing up a little bit, especially locally. And we had sold the house and somebody reached out to me and said, are you talking about this house? And I said, yes, but I don't tell the address because I don't want, we don't own it anymore. I don't sure. want anyone showing up. And they said, well, I'm the new owner. Here's what's happened to me. And oh, they wow. started telling me some stories that of stuff that's happened to them. And it's also stuff that happened to me that I didn't even put in the episode. So there's a correlation there of like them having the same stuff happen that I didn't even talk about. Mm -hmm. So we were able to back that up. Like it's multiple things that are happening to multiple families over time. So it, it makes me believe a lot more when you, especially when you get something like that. Yeah, I think that's one of the most satisfying things when you hear or have somebody telling you their experiences when a completely independent party experience, you know, similar or the same things. I think one of my favorite things, especially in our kind of OG episodes, when we were having a lot of friends on uh, kind of from the comedy scene in Atlanta or the theater scene, and they would be like, oh, yeah, my mom, you know, had the same thing. And we'd just be like, all right, well, let's call them because we'd just all be sitting in a room together with a, you know, a bunch of microphones kind of pre-pandemic. Mm. And we call up the mom who had no idea, you know, the mom's like, what? Who are you? <laughs> and then they yeah. tell the same story, you know, and that's one of those things that really started to change my mind with the supernatural well, I'd love to know before we jump into Dave's experiences with the home, how you guys know each other. We go back pretty far. Yeah, it's I started hanging out with his brother first. So me and Jesse were like kind of in the same circle of friends. Um, so we started meeting out by just being like ancillary pieces of that. And then we got close and then 
unfortunately i met dave yeah <laughs> worst thing that ever happened to us oh, no. <laughs> well that's cool so you guys go back pretty far and now you've created this um, you know podcast this kind of multimedia experience that's got to be pretty satisfying dave now you obviously know rob as we've been talking what how were you introduced into the hauntings of this home well, I've always been a fan of this well, of this home is as soon as Rob had that experience that he was talking about with the voice yelling down the stairs, it spooked him enough for him to reach out to my brother Jesse and I and say, this house is haunted. We should look into getting some ghost hunting equipment and see if we can find any evidence. And Jesse and Rob were all about it. And I was more like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'm down. I, at the time, I believed none of this stuff, but it sounded like fun to, to give it a shot. So we got some cheap ghost hunting equipment we had like an emf detector and a spirit box and then we did some flashlight tricks that we had found on youtube and we did some investigations and we got some activity on the spirit box which i found very interesting now it's not anything that i thought was groundbreaking because this is just a an electronic device that you occasionally get a word here and there it could be random because it just scans through radio frequencies but the responses seem to be intelligent like they were actually responding to the questions we were asking which i thought was fascinating so that kind of gripped me and that's when i kind of started to get a little bit more into it after we kind of messed around at rob's house ghost hunting for a little while we were like this is pretty cool we should look into some actual really you know bigger haunted locations and one of the first ones that we looked into was the houghton mansion in the berkshires which is over in western massachusetts and we we went over there to investigate and they let us in it's a at the time, it was a, a Mason's Lodge. They had converted a mansion over into the Mason's Lodge. So we went over there to investigate, and we found really cool stuff. We had videos of doors slamming by themselves, and they had this weird mirror. And it really gripped me. I said, this is really cool. And there's a whole different, I don't know what you want to call it, a dimension or whatever. There's a whole like sect of the universe that I am so unaware of that is really, it's, it's, it seems like it's unexplored, really with outside the paranormal community. So I found that fascinating. And I started to kind of come over to the side of the believer, maybe as like a two or a three on the scale. And then a little over a year ago, year and a half or so ago, when we started this podcast, that episode one on Rob's Bridgewater house, as soon as those people reached out with their stories that were identical to what we saw, I was like, holy shit, this might be more real than I thought. And it sounds like you're just kind of ready to to jump in guns a blazing. I mean, do you not get scared when these things happen? Uh, I wouldn't say that. I mean, these the locations that we've covered are pretty scary places to begin with. We're in old houses. They have an ominous feeling to them. I feel like a lot of paranormal locations, it's it's more about like feel, really, than what than what you see or what you witness, or at least it's a big part of it. And a lot of these places, when you go into them, you feel like the energy is just off or it's heavier or thicker. And if you can't, if you're feeling that, I feel like that's something. It's almost tangible. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd call it fear, but it's definitely an uneasy feeling, an uncomfortable feeling for sure. But, but you were comfortable enough to like keep exploring. I only ask because um, I, I still get scared hearing some of those stories we have on the podcast. And I've had a couple 
or well, uh, yeah, two experiences where I've, I've seen apparitions and it, it's not necessarily something I want to happen again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I'll take the experiences as they come, as long as they're safe. But this episode of the Real Hauntings, Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey everyone, it's Noah Daniels, and I'm here to talk to you again about Wild Grain. Our last shipment of Wild Grain was so good that my four-year-old cannot stop asking for more of that awesome bread with dinner. And I'm not going to lie, I'm right there with him. And honestly, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh bread baked coming from the oven. What if I told you that you too could get that delicious experience of homemade bread with none of the time and work involved? Well, you can by ordering from Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. And you can now fully customize your Wild Grain box. So you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com hauntings. That's wildgrain.com hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Good through your experience on y'all's podcast and doing these paranormal ghost hunts, have, has there been any time where you almost got to the point of being like, I, I'm out. This is, this is like too heavy for me. Yeah. Dave, yeah. has there ever been a point that you got so scared that you stopped recording and ran away? <laughs> there was Sounds one like was a story there. <laughs> so we were in Vermont up in way Northern Vermont up in uh, Stowe. And they have this haunted bridge that is called Emily's Bridge. And the story is, uh, I think it was back in the 1800s, a girl hanged herself in that bridge and her ghost allegedly haunts. So we went there to go check it out. And it's a covered bridge. It was in the middle of winter. There's like two feet of snow on the ground. So everything's just quiet naturally this time of year. We're there at night. No one else is around. You got that feeling, you know, it's dark and you're in a place that you know is haunted. So we're all kind of on tilt already. And I'm over there just testing the equipment with a, a voice recorder and, and a, a spirit box. And I'm just testing it. I'm not even doing a spirit box session. I'm just making sure the equipment works because when we went earlier in the day, we were having issues with the equipment dying. So I was testing it to make sure that we were all good. And I asked it just some cursory questions. Hello, are you there? Are you here with me? Did something happen to you? clicked the spirit box off, clicked the voice recorder back to see if it was coming through. 
and my voice came through crystal clear. And at the end, the voice of a little girl, little it sounded like a little girl, it could have been a female, just whatever, came through very clearly, said what sounds like either behind you or I'm hanging, one of those things. We actually posted the clip on TikTok to see what everybody thought of it. And I thought everyone was going to say it was it's fake. You guys faked it, but nobody nobody thought that. And everyone just the the consensus was it says behind you, which um, so as soon as I heard that, I was because I wasn't expecting it. I was playing it back, and I got that little behind you thing, and I went holy shit! Shut the thing off and ran back to Rob to show him. And now of course Rob says Dave ran away scared, but that wasn't it <laughs> at all. That was not the case. <laughs> and, and Rob, I'm curious, what about you? Has there been any experiences that kind of got close to to what Dave experienced? Just to wrap up the Emily's Bridge thing, sure. I, I will say that we went there. And we went there to investigate a hotel and Emily's Bridge. All three of us went to this bridge expecting to get nothing. It's the one location that I went to where I'm like, this place is not haunted. This is urban legend. We're going to go here. It's going to be stupid. And we'll just go and we'll just record and just get whatever we get. We're going to focus on the hotel, probably. Um, we got a little bit of activity in the hotel. We were scared to death at this bridge. Like the thing happened to Dave, then we were getting some more stuff. All our equipment was dying to the point that we were like, we can't. And it was all just charged too. We we're like, we can't even keep doing anything. So the only thing that was left by the time we were getting ready to leave was one camera was working and we lined up. We're like, let's take a picture in front of the bridge, like get some lights on us. And uh, we'll, we'll, you know, just for like promotional stuff. And as we're, taking the picture jesse's wife was taking it of the three of us if you look at the picture we posted it, we've posted it before me and jesse are looking over to the side because we see a shadow figure coming up over the guardrail to the point that we didn't think it was a shadow figure we thought it was like a person at first jesse actually started walking over there to be like hey why are you walking over the guardrail type deal and then as he's doing that i just see the shadow get larger and engulf this car and then just like, it was gone. It, it was just terrifying. So never count out like an urban legend area because maybe those urban legends are kind of based on something. Maybe the story's not accurate or something, but like, I can promise you like of the places we've been, that was the most unexpected place to get something because I went into it with a relatively closed mind, to be honest. Well, Rob, you know, you guys have, have done so much investigating. Is there a location that you feel like is really underrated that y'all have been to? So the one for me is the Oliver House in Middleborough, Massachusetts. This is a house that is 15 to 20 minutes away from my house that I knew nothing about, to be completely honest. And the history there, without without the paranormal history, is just like fascinating. And if you look into it, it involves Benjamin Franklin and catching people loyal to the crown, like staying in the house. It, it's just, it's a crazy, crazy story. But we went there and there was a particular room that when I walked into it, I felt super uncomfortable. And as I walked in, we had a guide bringing us each to each room and telling us about each room. And when we walked in, I was like, I don't, there's something with this particular room that I don't like. And she was like, oh, well, that's interesting because of this. And then she goes into the history of that room and who actually stayed in there and the, like the whole story. And uh, as we walked out, 
And I used to call BS on this every time I saw it on TV, on every show I called BS. I felt my neck start burning. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Like, why is my neck burning? And I pulled Jesse to the side and I was like, hey, can you just take a look at my neck real quick? Like, it, it feels weird. It's hot. I, I don't think I touched it. I know we have like the camera rolling. He's like, yeah, you got a big scratch down the left side of your neck. Like just one scratch, like right down it. And I go, well, that's weird. And I did this like off camera because I didn't want to be that guy like, oh man, something scratched me. And just like, I'm going nuts. And that really freaked me out because that had never, you know, being in that house in Bridgewater, all the scary experiences I had, I was never like touched is what I would say. Like nothing ever touched me. And as I walked out of this room, I felt something. And then later in the night, so pro tip for everybody that's going to go ghost hunting. Don't ever let your friends know that you're with or that a room scares you because you will be stuck in that room by yourself at some point in the night. <laughs> so don't do that because that's terrible. But I got put in that room by myself later that night and I had the best spare box session I ever had solo where it was just like a back and forth. Like it was just, I would ask a question, they would answer and it would just go back and forth. And then at the end of the session, I was like, would you like to talk to somebody else? It goes, no. And I go, okay, well, I'm going to leave. I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. It goes, no, you. I said, okay, I'm going to say goodbye. And it just keeps saying, no, you, no, you like three or four times across the spirit box until I finally like shut it off and just walked out of the room. Cause I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. So it was, uh, we've had some good spirit box sessions, but that one particularly always stands out to me. I'll throw this up to both of you guys. So what is the most unbelievable thing that you've seen or heard? Like the one thing that still, cause I, I know we've had episodes where there, there may be, two or three that I still think about like pretty often, you know, they just stick with me. Have there been an experience at a, a certain place that still gives you the chills, you know, still you're just like, man, I know I saw that. I know I heard that, but it's so hard for me to believe that I was there for that. I have one that just jumps right out to the front of my mind. And maybe because it was so recent, it was literally last week. We haven't even released the episode for this place yet, but we went and we investigated at the Shanley Hotel and we had the place to ourselves and we live streamed a little bit of it, but then we went and did, Jesse and myself went and did the Estes method in a room and the responses, I was getting to the questions for that, like I got goosebumps three times during it because it was just, and I felt a little sick because it was just like, this is this is like, like lack of a better word, deep. It was just like really, really creepy stuff. It, it was in the room of the girl, like this. So long story short, a little girl lived in this room and uh, what was her bedroom? And there was a well across the street and they found her in the well, hmm. passed away. They think she just fell in. There are like urban legend stories that something more nefarious happened, but we were communicating and this girl was just talking about the well like for a while and just some of the responses to that and it was just like really sad and scary so that, that one still stand i mean it was real fresh like i said but it stands out 
And so were you doing the portion of that where you had your ears covered and, and you were hearing I, things or were you asking the questions? I was asking the questions. Okay. So the responses I was get like the responses were what was like making my stomach like turn because I, I know he can't hear me. Right. So some of these questions, I mean, and you don't get an answer to everything. And so like when I would ask a question and get a response, it was just like, it turned my stomach to the point I'm like, ugh. Cause you have to keep going, but it was, it was, it was sad and it was scary. Do you ever feel any of that carry over with you? Like after you do some of these haunts, like that one specifically, or maybe another one where you do that same method where you feel like that spirit is still trying to contact you, even though you've left that area. I haven't yet. And I don't think any of us have just be again, the Shanley hotel was like two weeks ago for us at this point. Who knows? I mean, I hope it doesn't happen that way. I don't want that to occur. They have no sense of time, right? You would assume that a spirit could lay dormant for however long they would like to lay dormant for and then pop up. So it's something that I'm not hoping for. I mean, maybe content-wise, it would be great. Like, ah, my house is haunted now. But yeah, it's it's not something that I've experienced yet. And Dave, what about you? Has there been anything that's, that's still kind of stuck with you till this point that it's hard for you to believe even though you witnessed it? Everything that we've witnessed that I can't explain is hard for me to believe, which is why I find it so fascinating. Um, Spoken like a, a true five. What a boring answer, right? Uh, <laughs> I I haven't experienced any like Hollywood, the conjuring type haunting situation. I've never seen a spirit manifest in, you know, I've never seen an apparition or anything like that. That's what it would take to turn me to a 10 probably. But I've seen some stuff that is just, it probably will sound underwhelming, but is just was shocking at the time. And and for instance, we were investigating the Emily Morgan Hotel down in San Antonio, Texas, the haunted room there. And we were just having a regular EVP session with a spirit box, EMF detector, and a voice recorder. And we're asking questions. And the light on the bedstand just dimmed, didn't shut off, dimmed, and then lit back up. And it was weird. It wasn't like a flicker. It didn't go off and then back on. We checked the connection. We wiggled the wires. We tried to mess with it. We were jumping on the floor, which the people downstairs were probably really pumped about. And we couldn't get it to do it again. And it was just so creepy. And we were excited about it. And it was just, you had to be there. It's one of those things where it was like a feeling. Another time we were at the, uh, the one we mentioned earlier in the Berkshires in Massachusetts, the Houghton Mansion. And we have, we have video of it. The door just closing by itself on command. We said, can if you're here, can you close the door? And this big door, glass door, you can see right through it. There's nothing on the other side, just whoop, and closes. Jeez. And it was just, we were, we were so, it was more a feeling of excitement than, than terror. Cause it was just, I couldn't, we couldn't believe that it happened. We got it to do it twice. Things like that, you know, doors closing, lights dimming. And a lot of time, the craziest thing, like the most unsettling thing is feelings. Like you're walking down a dark hallway at the conjuring house and you feel like somebody's right behind you. You know, that feeling mm -hmm. where someone's just, and you turn around expecting someone to be there and there's nothing there. That's unnerving. And yeah. it's a story that you can tell and people be like, eh, it's a right. Eh. Cause they, they didn't feel the, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But to, for, for me, that's just more real than a door slamming sometimes. Yeah. Well, Rob, let's jump into hometown ghost stories. So sure. For people who maybe haven't listened to your podcast or haven't seen your YouTube, although 
Uh, I know you guys have a ton of fans, so I'm sure a lot of people have, but people that are maybe new to your content, what are some of the episodes they should definitely check out to see what, you know, hometown ghost stories is all about? If you want to know the origin story, the full thing, obviously number one is Bridgewater, our experiences in that house. Be easy on us for the audio quality of the discussion portion because we were brand new at that point in time. Everything is much better. I would say definitely check out the Oliver House one. Mm -hmm. um, that is like, to me, one of the quintessential episodes because it was an actual investigation and we don't do investigations everywhere we cover. We just, we don't have the resources to do that. So um, some of the bigger ones, but some of the smaller ones too, like Block Island, Rhode Island, right? One I went favorites. to I went to Block Island because I wanted a day away and I'm like I'll just find some ghost stories on Block Island. And Block Island for those that don't know, it sounds redundant, but it's an island off of Rhode Island. <laughs> and you take a ferry there and it's, you know, everyone knows Cape Cod and knows Martha's Vineyard and all this stuff, but it's like this little hidden treasure in New England where you can go over, it's a little bit smaller, it's a little more laid back there. And the paranormal history in that place is through the charge. It's so much that we're going to do a part two there eventually, because I couldn't get everything into that episode. I went there expecting to have a laid back day. Um, shout out to the people at Block Island Ghost Tours. They helped me out. They took me around and showed me some of the stuff. And there's so much history there. And just like the actual history of that island is crazy. So the little ones like that are just as important as us going to the Conjuring House or as us covering you know, stuff in Chicago, you know, Dubuque, Iowa or whatever. I mean, have you heard of that town? Because I hadn't until I did this show. <laughs> <laughs> like, so that's what I like about the show is we're covering not only just these big places, but we're hearing about like these little ghost stories. And as you can attest to, it's like part of the soul of your town, right? Like every town has that ghost story and it ties into the history of the town. So when people tell you, Hey, I don't like ghost stories. It's like, yeah, well, go on a ghost tour when you go somewhere new and you're going to learn all about that city or that town if they have ghost tours and all the stuff that had happened there. I just did it in Nashville. First thing I did when I went to Nashville was I went on a ghost tour and I learned so much about Nashville just by going through that tour. I also think it's fascinating when people in your life who maybe aren't um, into the paranormal per se, mm -hmm. when they find out what you're doing and what you're into, how many of them go, Oh, I've got a ghost story. Let me tell you this, or let me tell you about what my uncle experienced or let, you know, that's, that's one of the things I really love yeah. when I go back home is all these people who I never would have thought would even admit that paranormal could be real or like, Oh, mm -hmm. I got to tell you about this craziest thing I've ever heard, <laughs> you know, happen. Unfortunately, sometimes I'm like, come on the podcast and they're like, Oh no, no, no. Well, yeah. well it starts, it starts this way too. They'll be like, I don't believe in ghosts, but, but right. I have this story. Yeah. And anytime I wear my shirt out, like, so block islands, the perfect example, I'm on the ferry. I have my camera set up. I'm ready to go over. I'm wearing my hometown ghost story shirt. The amount of people that came up to me and were like, either just to tell me a ghost story or to say, I don't believe in ghosts, but here's my ghost story. And just everyone wants to tell you. I love it because it's like, it's content. And again, you're interacting with the locals. You know, I don't scoff at that at all. I I do find it funny when they started with, I don't believe in ghosts, but yeah, there's the scariest thing you're ever going to hear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get people who are almost relieved 
they're like, oh my God, I have a ghost story. And I just, they, they don't tell their ghost stories to people. They don't get a chance to because they're adults and adults aren't supposed to tell ghost stories because we're supposed to be pragmatic and realistic. But anytime I tell somebody that I have a paranormal podcast, they're, they're excited. They're like, oh yes, here's my ghost story. No one believes me. You'll believe me. And I say, yes, tell me all your stories. And just yeah. to kind of piggyback off the question you asked Rob a minute ago, if you're looking for an interesting episode, we usually cover town by town, but last week we did a listener submitted ghost story episode mm. and we got listeners sending in their personal ghost stories from Ohio, from New York, from California, from all over the country and even some from abroad. So if you want to check out a really cool episode and hear a whole bunch of ghost stories that you've never heard, that's a really interesting one. Thank you guys so much for sharing that. Please uh, tell our audience all the places where they can find your great content. Sure. You can find us on any podcast platform that you listen to. Um, our podcast, we do a 15-minute, usually pre-produced section, and then we sit around and chat about it. But we like to give the story a little uninterrupted to give it its like w what it deserves. And if you want to actually watch us live 9 p.m. on Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, because that's the only real time zone. We are live <laughs> on YouTube and you can join the chat and the chat has a fun time and we just kind of all hang out and talk about this, the place that we're covering that week. Awesome. And it, it, is it all at Hometown Ghost Stories? Is that the handle for everywhere? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, there might be some HT Ghost Stories, but if you search Hometown Ghost Stories, it pretty It'll much is come up, pop up. That's great. Yeah, it's and hometown ghost stories on YouTube, iTunes, and any other podcasts. It's okay. a little bit different on uh, Twitter and stuff, but if you're looking for the actual podcast. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And in those Tuesday episodes, do those end up becoming what's released on iTunes and and you know everywhere else for podcasts? Yep. Yep. So we do the oh, show live great. and then on Wednesdays it comes out on the podcast and our side content isn't perform as in a, a live thing it's kind of a recorded thing so fridays we either do a celebrity haunting or a horror movie review or a dark mystery we talked about the cleveland torso murderer one time like so we do a bunch of different things for side content um on fridays but the main episodes are on tuesdays live and then come out on wednesdays yeah, that's right. And uh, you can check me out on theirs. I think uh, it's towards the end of May, right? And where we, yeah, I think, I think it's like the 20, I want to say fourth ish. Yeah. So whatever, whatever that Tuesday is. Yeah. Really be. <laughs> yeah. So with that, I'm Noah Daniels. I'm Rob Coakley. And I'm Dave Wilkins. Ooh. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story. Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.